0: Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 9 and uh, I see my time is short here. So I'm going to work hard over the next few minutes, okay? I shared with you last week that one of the things I feel God is saying to us is to, uh, in prayer is to pray that He would give us eyes to see, eyes to see that we would have sensitivity to to what is going on around us, to have ears to hear and a mind to know what God is working and what God is doing. And I think as we pray that, we'll see our eyes begin to open and we'll begin to understand some things that, that perhaps have been hidden from us thus far. I have no doubt in my mind that God is at work in this church. Wow, ten of you agree with that statement. I have no doubt in my mind that God is at work in this church to do what He wants to do in this region, in Burt Burnett. He's doing it in your life. And so embrace that and and take hold of that because that is for you. I want you to to grab hold of what He's doing and have spiritual insight to do so. And so we are vigilantly looking for His activity and where He is moving. And we're hungry to connect with Him and discover His desire for us in this season. Uh, this morning I want to preach to you out of Acts 9 and I want to talk to you about Paul, uh, a man that we, many of us are familiar with, Paul formerly known as Saul. And so today I'm going to interchange those words, but it means the same guy, okay? So when I say Saul, I'm still talking about the same guy as I am when I say Paul, okay? So, so you just got to bear with me and just understand, same, same man. Paul formerly known as Saul, he's a strictly religious man at this point in his life. According to Acts 22 and 3, it gives us some insights about him, but it says in verse 3 that he was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God. He was all in when it came to Judaism and serving uh, the law and just being strict as far as what the Pharisaic uh, rules and mandates were. In verse 4, it also says that Paul... Paul says, I persecuted this way, speaking of Jesus and, and his, uh, his ministry in the earth, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Paul was hardcore. He was serious. He was a, 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 a jihadist of his day, if you will. I mean, he was sold out to a cause. The, the verse 20 says that when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed... This is Paul speaking, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Again, Paul's a hardcore uh, guy. He's strictly religious, he's zealous uh, to the utmost degree, and, but he is about to have an encounter that will forever change him. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is I want to share with you today Paul's journey. Paul's encounter and Paul's transformation, and we're going to walk through this process together. These things led to Paul having eyes to see, eyes to see. And so I want you to pray with me this morning that God would give us eyes to see. Will you pray? Father, thank you this morning for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for drawing hearts into a place of receptivity where your word can be imparted to them. And I pray that your anointing come upon me today, that, Lord, I am able to preach with freedom and communicate the principles that you have illuminated to me this morning. I pray that, God, they would be driven deep into the hearts of people and that, God, it would produce fruit in their lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul's journey in Acts 9, if you will, go with me there to verse 1. And uh, let's read a few verses of Scripture. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were there of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And then verse 3 says, As he journeyed. As he journeyed. Okay, so here we have Paul. Again, he, he admits later on in, verse, in chapter 22 that he was a man that, that brought people bound and he imprisoned them. He watched people die that believed in Jesus Christ and served his cause. And now he's coming to the high priest and he's saying, give me some letters so that I can go out and I can drag all of these people in and we can deal with this and root this plague out uh, of existence. We are going to annihilate these Christians. But what Paul did not know and what Paul did not understand is that God had a different plan for him. And that's why we find verse 3 and it's such a comfort to me to read these little three words as he journeyed. Know today that God's got you on a journey. He's got you on a path. And even though you may not understand everything that's going on around you, you may be fighting for some causes today that you're going to find out later aren't just causes. The truth is Jesus will always bring you along if you're receptive to him and you're open to what he has to say. We could quickly look at Paul's life and say, wow, you know, what a waste. It was a, a big portion of his life he spent serving the wrong cause. And all of those years that he sat at the feet uh, of this Pharisee and learned studied from the wrong position, right information Paul had, but he studied from the wrong position. I think a lot of us find ourselves as we've been brought up in church and as we've, we've had some ideas formed about church and about Jesus that a lot of times what we discover as we spend time with the Lord and as we get in His presence and as He begins to unveil is that we've had some right information. We've just been coming at it from the wrong position. And what we need to do is get in the right position with the Lord. Begin to see Him in different, different aspects. Begin to allow him to open up the revelation of who he is in our lives and begin to understand him more and more and understand now how the right information begins to correlate with who he is and what he wants for my life. And when I'm in the right position, all of those things begin to line up. We think about Paul and all the lives that were persecuted and destroyed because of him. And the first thing that I, I think of and what comes to mind is what a waste that was. What a waste But I say to you this morning that nothing in the kingdom is ever wasted. Nothing is ever wasted. The years of Paul's life, although they were invested in the wrong cause, are not lost. All the teaching and all the learning, all the experience of life that Paul had, God will not waste any of it. Rather, he is the God who takes what the enemy has corrupted and what the enemy has used for his purpose and God takes it and uses it all for his kingdom. Because of his knowledge that Paul had, he became a master at preaching Jesus Christ. And he could preach Christ to anyone, including the Pharisees. His life was not wasted. Yes, it came from the wrong position. Yes, he had some wrong uh, ideas. But as he comes come into the presence of God, God used everything that he had invested in his life. And now he begins to use it to ad- administer in his cause And promote his purpose. That's good news for you this morning. Because Paul's journey is your journey. Paul's journey is your journey. See, you're on a journey too. many of you are on a journey with us in the fast? And just like Paul, nothing in your life has been wasted. Just like the word of the Lord that was this morning that said, don't matter how many times you've quit, no matter how many times you've failed, I'm asking for one more shot. I'm asking for one more push. I'm asking you to get up one more time. God says none of that stuff, even though it was invested in the wrong cause, I'm still going to use it for my glory. I'm still going to take those things that are wasted and I'm going to use them for my purpose this morning. I wish somebody would get with me this morning. I'm preaching better than you're listening today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Nothing's wasted. Some of you feel like the experiences of your past are lost, but I'm telling you, God's going to use that. 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 You mean, Pastor, He's going to use all those those nights that I did things that I shouldn't have done. Absolutely, He'll use it. He's going to use all the wasted years that I've spent running after my own causes and my own purpose and trying to take care of myself. Absolutely, God will use it. Nothing is wasted by Him. He's a master at taking things and turning them around and making them work for you. All the experiences of the past, and the energy that is put into wrong things, or wrong causes, is not wasted. Simply must be surrendered to God, and He will use it. Verse one and verse two shows us that Paul's zealous. We know that Paul is a zealous man for God. He, uh, he, he, for the God he knows. He's zealous for the God he knows. And I think that that is important information to, uh, for us to talk about this morning. God is, uh, or Paul is a zealous person. He is, he is thinking that he is doing the right thing. He is zealous for the God that he knows. But what he didn't understand is there's a whole aspect of God that he had yet to experience. That the moment that he stepped from where his current position was into a new dimension with Jesus Christ, the stuff that he knew would come more real and more fresh and more life-giving and it would begin to flow through his life. I will challenge you this morning in this way. Don't be content with the God you know. Don't be content to just hold on to the God that you've experienced over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But look to a God that is bigger and larger and greater than anything that your mind can fathom and embrace Him because He will explode in your mind. New visions and new dreams and new dimensions of who He is. Amen. Is it possible this morning, like Paul, that the things that we are striving against The things that we are fighting against are part of the future that God has for us. Think about it. Think about it. Is it possible the things we are fighting for are the very things that are holding us prison to past experience? No, pastor, that's not possible. I'm sure that Paul would have said the same thing one day before the Damascus Road. Paul would have adamantly stood before you and said, the things that I'm fighting for are are just... The things that I'm fighting for are the things that I'll die for. I'll go to, 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 to death over what I believe. He was concrete in his position, but little did he know the things that he was working against are the very thing that's a part of his future and a part of the calling upon his life and the part of the things that God's trying to unlock and unfold before him and release him into. Paul came alive on that Damascus road. I would say the Paul that lived before them, saw was just a shell of what God had destined him to be. It wasn't until he walked down that road and had an encounter with Jesus that his mind was open and he realized his true purpose. But what if the things you and I are adamant about are keeping us serving the wrong cause and limiting what God is wanting to do right now? My question to you is this. Is just like we read in verse 20 of Acts 22. Paul is guarding the clothes of those who were killing Stephen. Do you want to be regarded as the one who guarded the cloaks? Do you want to be the one who is regarded as guarding the garments? I didn't come here today to church. Today to guard religious coverings. I came to tear them off. Amen. I came to rip them apart and allow the Spirit of God to move in fresh and new ways. Amen. I'm working against the clock here. But I'm also working against receptivity this morning. Are your hearts open to hear what the Lord's saying to you? Because I'm telling you, this is what the Lord's speaking today. But pastor the things that we're guarding, the things that we're protecting. Those are matters of right and wrong. Those are matters of respect. Yes, they are. But listen, when respect and right behavior is demanded for those who do not know better, underline that, do not know better, it becomes a matter of the law and it is not for the love of the Savior. We want it to be for the love of the Savior. And here's what I say to you is this. You would be surprised what people will willingly surrender if you will let the Lord ask for it. You'll be surprised what people will willingly give up when the Lord starts asking for it. I can come and demand it. And they may give it up, but they'll give it up begrudgingly, resentfully, angrily. They will not release it happily. But when the Lord asks for it, Yes, Lord. Yes, God. I'm ready for something different. I'm ready for something new. God didn't call us to be polices of everybody else's life. Amen? He called us to be support systems, to love people. Now listen. Now listen to me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't get involved in other people's lives. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't correct wrong behavior. But I'm saying you better have a relationship in which to correct that wrong behavior. Don't go jumping on somebody you don't know nothing about. Because you won't see where they've come from. And you certainly won't know where they're going. You'll just see where they are. That's good stuff. I'm just going to preach to myself this morning because nobody in here wants to hear it. Hallelujah. Acts 9.1. It says, then Saul went to the high priest. Part of Paul's struggle is Paul is going to the wrong source. If we're looking to religious traditions and religious systems to discover what God's activity is today, we're going to miss what He's doing. You go to the wrong source, and you're going to end up serving the wrong cause every single time. Go to the feet of the Savior, and you'll know exactly what He's doing. (laughs) Amen. Verse 3. As he journeyed, as he moved forward in what he knew. You know, Paul was wrong, but he was wrong with the right heart. Paul was wrong, yes, but he was wrong with the right heart. He really, genuinely, sincerely thought he was doing what was right. And here's what I want you to know. You may be wrong about some things, but your right heart will always lead you to truth. Truth will lead you to transformation, and transformation will lead you to your destiny. Paul is serving the wrong cause, and he's going to the wrong source, but a shift is coming. A new understanding is about to enter the atmosphere of his mind. His paradigm is about to shift and new dimensions of God are about to be revealed to him. Why? Because he's open to seeking the truth. His heart's right. His heart's right. He's willing to hear what God has to say. Some of you have been serving the wrong cause or looking to the wrong source. But I'm just telling you, if you'll take a journey with Jesus... A shift is coming. New understanding is on its way and new dimensions are going to be revealed. Let's talk about Paul's encounter. Verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. We understand that light represents enlightenment, understanding and revelation. And what I told you all ago, and I want to reiterate now, is a sincere quest for the truth will always lead you to truth. And truth and Jesus are synonymous. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Verse 4 tells us, then he fell to the ground. Paul fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Now, As I study the Word of God and I look at this, I think it's curious that Paul refers to Him as Lord. Don't you? Why are you persecuting me? And Paul responds and says, Who are you, Lord? I think that it speaks of being, you know, a situation where it's so sad to go through life recognizing that there is a Lord without really knowing Him. Listen, church, don't go through life recognizing that there is a God and never know Him. Don't go through life recognizing that, yeah, there's a God, there's, a, there's I believe in Him, but I don't know Him. You can know Him. You can have a relationship with Him. You can have a, a, a life that walks hand in hand with the Lord if you want that. God reveals constantly new truths about who you are as you come into his presence. And you will not understand him, but you will understand you. Verse 5 says, Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Paul has spent his entire life up to this point working against the very Lord that he wanted to serve. And I see it all the time, even in the church scene, when God is trying to do something fresh and new, that all uh, oftentimes we find ourselves working against the very Lord that we pledge to serve and desire to serve. Yeah. When if we would just step back and take an objective point of view and embrace what God might be doing right now, we would find Him in the midst of it, and we would clearly know His truth And what he is up to in this moment. He says, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goals. He's saying there, it's hard to serve the wrong cause, isn't it, Paul? It's hard to serve the wrong cause. That word hard in that that phrase there literally means dry. In other words, what God's saying is it's a dry thing to work against me. It's a life lacking situation when you come to work against me. He says, but if you want the life that I promise, then you work in conjunction with me, you connect with me, and my life that I give freely will flow through you, and it will flow through everybody you touch, and everything you lay your hand on will receive life from me because I am the source of life. I don't want dry living. I don't want dry dry experiences. I want a rich experience with the Lord. His life-giving power flowing in me. Verse 6 says, So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He's saying, I recognize you now. After all these years, God, I finally have recognized who you are. And I'm receptive to your will and your plan. What would you have me do? Church, when we come into new revelations of Christ, we come into new seasons of receptivity. Paul became receptive when he came to understand who Jesus was. And he suddenly says, what do you want me to do? I'm available now, God. I'll do whatever you want me to do. same passion that I've been working against you with, I'm going to work for you now. I'm going to give you all I got. Why is that? Because our capacity, listen, our capacity is enlarged through a stretching of our understanding. When we come into the presence of Jesus and we spend time with Him in prayer and studying His Word, our mind begins to expand because why? We begin to take in new information that pushes the boundaries of our former understanding. It stretches those wineskins, if you will. Because that there's more capacity now for Jesus to pour Himself into us. And that's what we want. We want more of Him, more of Him. Verse 6 goes on to say, Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing none. You know, who are these men with Paul? We don't really know. They're not recorded. Why? Because they hear and never see. We do not want to be a people who hear and never see what God's doing. God give us eyes to see. Verse 8 then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. Underline that phrase right there. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. See, what you think this morning is that Paul was blinded on the road to Damascus. But what I say to you is that Paul had always been blind. It, was, was it, it wasn't until his encounter with Jesus that he came come to understand that. And come to realize that. His eyes were opened, the word says, but he saw no one. But I've got good news. Vision is coming. New understanding is on its way. A new dimension of Jesus is about to be revealed to Paul. He's about to lose his old sight and now begin to see with new sight. <laughs> what happens in the meantime? Let's look at verse 9. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drink. What's he doing? He's fasting. He's fasting. He neither ate nor drank. Paul was three days in transition between his old sight and his new vision. What was going on between? Well, the way I look at that is simply this. That three days is just the right amount of time to be buried and resurrected. Amen? Saul needed to be buried, amen. He needed his old life to pass away. He needed some old thinking to get rid of. He needed some things to be buried in that grave so that Jesus Christ could speak life to him and resurrect him in newness and new vision and new hope and new purpose and newness of life. Jesus will resurrect some old things in you if you'll let him. He'll resurrect you into newness of life. He'll give you a new new focus. He'll give you a new purpose. He'll He'll breathe his life into you if you'll let him. Now let's talk about Paul's transformation as I bring it to a close. Acts 9, 10. Now there were certain disciples at Damascus. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So we see here Ananias representing the church, a receptive uh, vessel of the church. He's ready to to hear from from God, and so as soon as God speaks, he says, Here I am. Verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street, call straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hands on him, so that he might receive his sight. So here we have Paul's transformation. He has had an encounter. The old paradigm has, of thought that he has had has been disrupted, and no longer can he, say, can, can he stay the way that he used to. But he can't see the new vision yet either. So he fasts. He's seeking God. He's, in verse 11 it tells us that he's praying, he's seeking after the Lord. And God has given him a vision of who can help him. So enter in Ananias. Ananias is already serving the Lord. He represents the church, but more specifically, listen to me this morning, he represents the leadership of the church. Look at verse 12. And in a vision he, speaking of Paul, has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias is a facilitator of new vision. He is the facilitator of new vision. Paul has seen him coming in as Paul pursues God. He sees him laying hands on him. It speaks of the church embracing Paul so that he might receive his sight. And it is the job of the church to help people see. You didn't hear me. I said it's the job of the church this morning to help people see. It's, their, it's our job to be facilitators of new vision, to help them begin to see Jesus, to help them to understand Jesus, to help them to begin to walk with Jesus, and to know Him more and more. That is the job of the church. We are the facilitator of new vision. Verse 17 says, "The Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he embraced him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias says, I'm here to help you see and help you get what you need. I'm here to facilitate new vision and new life and new hope and new future for you, Paul. God, listen, God could have helped Paul see without the aid of Ananias. He could have, but he didn't. He didn't do it then and he's not going to do it now. He expects the church to be the facilitator of his work in this earth. Let's see what Acts 9.18 says. This last scripture I'm going to read to you this morning. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. When we think about the image of scales, I think of something crusty and flaky. I'm sure that's the image that comes to your mind. And I think it's a good image because I think that a lot of times our our thinking is crusty. I think some of our thinking is flaky. Amen. And it's good for some of that stuff just to fall off. God, give me a new way of thinking. God, give me some new thoughts. (laughs) You know, some of us had the same thoughts for the last 45 years. Let's have some new thoughts. Amen. Amen. God, do something new in me. The scales represent old thinking that kept him from new revelation. God, I would hate for something that I, that I have concreted in my mind that didn't come from you to hinder me from what you're wanting to do right now. That my old thinking and my stinking thinking would hinder me from new revelations and new dimensions of what you desire to do in my life and in this church. So God, just take me out of the box. Just open my mind up to you, Father. I trust that if I pursue you with a desire for the truth, that you will always lead me into truth. And that you will take me into deeper depths and higher heights with you. Paul's eyes now have gained... Regain their vision. And he's able to see clearly. His transformation is complete. Now Paul can lift up his eyes and see. Now he has eyes to see what the Spirit of God is doing. And you this morning, listen, you need the touch of the Master. Every one of us from time to time, to just put his hand on our heads and say, scales fall off. Give me new dimensions of of sight. Let me see things differently. Let me open my eyes to see what the Spirit of God is doing. Lift my eyes up to see the harvest, God. Lift my eyes up to see where your help's coming from. Lift my eyes up to see where the Father's activity is. Lift my eyes up so that I can see what God is up to and what God is doing. Give me eyes to see this morning. Paul's journey led to Paul's encounter, and Paul's encounter led to Paul's transformation. And Paul's transformation opened his eyes so that he could see. This morning you two are on a journey. Those of you that are fasting with us, those of you that are just hungry for God and just drawing close to Him, you're on a journey. We're seeking an encounter with God that will lead to our transformation and give us new vision and eyes to see what He wishes to do. I'm going to ask them to come to piano this morning. Begin to play. Everybody stand across this place if you would this morning. And and let's just prepare our hearts for what God may want to do in this altar time. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward and just line across this front today because I believe that God is going to use you this morning to lay Hands-on people as facilitators of new vision. And through that, transformation is coming. Transformation is coming. I told our prayer group this morning as we were praying. As a matter of fact, I want all of you that are up here to pray, I want you to look, look, look at me for just a moment. I told them all this morning, and I'm telling you today too. I believe that there is there's healing in the hands of Jesus. I believe that there is provision in the hands of Jesus. I believe there's transformation in Jesus' hands this morning. And here's what I also believe, that if they're in Jesus' hands, they're also in my hands. Amen? The hands of the Father are at work in me this morning. And so what I'm saying to all of you today is you have transformation in your hands today. You have healing in your hands this morning. Just lift them up. Just lift them up right here. You have healing in your hands today. When you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover, the Word says. When you lay hands on people, their lives are changed. You you can lay hands on them and peace come to their situation this morning. Amen. Receive that today. Receive that. Now listen, they're here to pray for you. Because they're facilitators of the vision that God has. And so they're going to turn towards you and they're going to be ready to receive you this morning. If you need a touch from God, you need healing. You need God to do a miracle in your life. You need something to change in your situation. I'm telling you this morning, it's in their hands today. And when they lay hands on you, God's going to begin to work in your life. If that's you, would you come? Would you come? Let God touch you this morning. Hey God, I'm tired of living this way, Pastor. I'm tired of this existence. I'm tired of just going through life, not feeling the life flowing in me. I'm tired of struggling with this same health issue over and over again. I'm ready for something to change in my life. I'm ready to go from point A to point B. I'm ready to encounter Jesus and see a transition in my life. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at The River on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at The River, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burke Burnett, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on your shore, you say come to the river.